What's up guys, it's Graham here. So the time has finally come throughout the last year and a half, the entire housing market has been fixated on one specific metric to determine whether or not housing prices could fall. And now we'll finally have that answer, all thanks to what's known as the end of mortgage forbearance, coming soon to an AMC near you. All right, even though it does sound like it would make a great thriller starring Michael Burry and Jerome Powell, throughout the last 18 months, this very moment has been a major concern throughout the majority of the industry. And up until now, things have gone wild wildly different than anyone could have expected. Like just recently it was noted that US housing prices saw another 19% increase from a year ago. Housing inventory continues to decline, mortgage rates are beginning to nosedive again. And now that the mortgage forbearance program is officially coming to an end, homeowners are going to be left with the choice to either pay up, sell, or risk foreclosure. And that last point is something that's worth talking about because after a year and a half, we could finally see the aftermath of what's about to happen. So let's talk about what's going on in the most absurd housing market that I've ever seen, what this means for the future of real estate prices, if this is something to worry about, and finally, what you could do about this to make money, because that's what we talk about here on the channel, along with smashing a like button for the YouTube algorithm because it helps us out tremendously. And as a thank you for doing that, here's a picture of a baby octopus who has just declared to be a sentient being. And also, big thank you to Wealthfront for sponsoring this video, but more on that later. All right, so all of this starts with the topic of what's called mortgage forbearance. See, when everything shut down in early 2020, there was the major concerned that everyone would immediately lose their jobs, they'd stop spending, they would default on their payments, banks would stop lending, and everything would fall into the abyss if nothing was done. So a solution was born. The CARES Act was passed on March 27th, 2020, which allowed homeowners to apply for mortgage forbearance, a process where they could temporarily pause their payments for up to a year. In conjunction with that, forbearance-related evictions and foreclosures were put on hold. And the goal is that if we could just get through this next year and reopen the economy, everything will return back to normal and we'll be fine, except not quite. Shortly after the mortgage forbearances went into effect, more than 4.2 million homeowners paused their payments, making up about 8.5% of all mortgaged properties on the market, which is a lot. Now, even though it was a good solution, the worry then became what happens when the term is up and several million people have to resume their payments all at the exact same time. Well, just as the first deadline was coming due, the economy was still shut down, so the forbearance program was extended for another year leaving critics to argue that a wave of foreclosures could soon be coming once defaults are allowed to be processed. But wait no longer, because in the next few weeks, the forbearance program is officially ending. And here is the long-awaited result of what's actually going to happen. Even though over 4.2 million homeowners originally paused their mortgage payments, as of now, 18 months later, 1 million of those remain, with a small portion still eligible for a final six-month extension if they choose. This represents just under 2% of all mortgaged properties in the U.S. And as Black Knight explains, we're in the midst of the largest transaction out of forbearance we're likely to see with three quarters of a million homeowners leaving plans over the past 60 days. But this is the part that I found most interesting. They said that 23% of those borrowers either sold their home or financed their mortgage to make it more affordable. 7% are in active loss mitigation with their lender. 3% are delinquent after their mortgage forbearance expired. And 38,000 of them are in active foreclosure, even with the real estate market surging to all-time highs. So what's going on? Well, on the surface, it's actually really surprising. CNBC reports that roughly 73% of borrowers in foreclosure have more than 20% equity, and about 28% have more than 50% equity, meaning they owe just half of their home's value back to the bank. Or in other words, if their home is worth $100,000 and they owe $50,000, they can just sell the property, pay back the bank, and walk away with $50,000. 
but they're not doing that. Black Knight reported that nearly a third of borrowers who go into the foreclosure process with at least 40% equity in their home go to foreclosure anyway. They theorize that this is in part due to an overly competitive and expensive real estate market that leaves sellers with nowhere to go once they sell. And in terms of how severe these numbers are, it's actually not that bad. Even though foreclosure rates have been increasing, data from RealtyTrack found that most of the activity is primarily on vacant and abandoned properties or loans that were in foreclosure prior to the pandemic. Across the U.S., only one in 6,675 housing units falls into this category. And if we look back historically, we could still see that we're well under statistical averages, meaning fewer people are underwater on their homes, far fewer people are going into foreclosure, and more people than ever have equity from which they could cash in on. But that, of course, presents another problem. Even though the mortgage forbearance crisis was completely averted and the solution to pause payments worked, others have begun to warn that the housing market is soon about to peak right before a sudden correction. And that's worth addressing because these are claims that should be taken seriously. But before we go into that, I want to say a huge thank you to the sponsor of today's video, Wealthfront. Now, as most of you know, in addition to owning real estate, I'm a huge fan of buying index funds and diversifying your portfolio. Study after study shows that most investors would make more money doing this long term than buying and selling individual stocks. And Wealthfront helps automate the entire process for you as easy as possible. They start by asking you questions about your goals, risk tolerance, and investment preferences, and then they're literally like your robotic investment butler who guides you to the index funds and ETFs that best fit your needs. Like, you know how Pandora recommends you new music? Well, Wealthfront recommends you new index funds and ETFs based on a quick survey. On top of that, they also allow you to manage your own investment preferences at any point with hundreds of different options to pick from. For instance, they have energy, healthcare, innovation, technology, social responsibility, and even trust for Bitcoin and Ethereum, meaning you could get exposure to anything you want without blindly trying to piece it together yourself. And best of all, as long as you subscribe and hit the like button and hit the notification bell, they've agreed to waive their 0.25% annual management fee up to your first $10,000 invested for the rest of your life just by using the link down below in the description. All right, they don't actually require that you do all of those things, even though it helps me out. But if you're interested in signing up or learning more or using any of their free financial planning tools, use the link down below in the description and you could get started today with as little as $500. So enjoy. Thank you so much. And now let's get back to the video. All right. So in terms of a housing market correction, first of all, it should be no surprise that as a result of low interest rates and cheap borrowing, pretty much every investment has skyrocketed in value. The stock market is or was at its highest level ever. Luxury cars are selling faster than the free stock you could get worth all the way up to $1,000 in the description. And real estate is very much one of the biggest winners. Low rates have made real estate more affordable to purchase. And as borrowers get approved for larger loans with lower payments, that pushes prices up. But one housing analyst explains that investors are distorting the market by driving up prices beyond the reach of primary buyers and builders with growing construction pipelines are bidding up land values. On top of that, Business Insider noted that 78% of community bank executives expect the housing market to crash by 2026. They found that for the last five months straight, inflation-adjusted real estate prices have exceeded the 2008 real estate peak, leading a record amount of homeowners to take out new lines of credit, reinvest in other markets, and otherwise pull cash from their homes to cover other expenses to the tune of $63 billion. However, in terms of what might actually happen, look no further than Redfin, who compiled the largest data set from millions of users to determine what they believe to be the future of the real estate market. First, Redfin predicts that mortgage rates are going to increase to 3.6%, bringing housing prices back down to earth. As of now, we already know that the Fed is planning to taper their mortgage bond buying program in an effort to raise interest rates. So most likely this is going to have an impact on the entire mortgage market as rates get a little bit more expensive. 
expensive. In terms of how expensive though, Redfin calculates that this change will lead to a $100 a month increase on the median home by the end of the year. In terms of what this is going to do to housing values though, they anticipate that appreciation is going to drop from 24% down to 3%, discouraging speculators and investors from entering the market as a way to profit from a shortage of homes. Now, In terms of what I think of this as a full-time real estate agent and investor since 2008, personally 3% seems a little bit too doomsday for me, especially when inflation is higher than that. So if I were to give my best guess, I would assume that prices could see another 5-7% to increase throughout the next year, or at least enough to be on pace with inflation. The second, they say that new listings will reach a 10-year high, but will barely make a dent. They explain that as interest rates increase, homeowners will feel more comfortable listing their home while they look for another one to buy. With more inventory, buyers will have a little bit more flexibility to pick and choose from. And less growth will encourage more people to cash out instead of holding on for another few months to inch out a little bit more profit. However, they do admit that supply chain and labor shortages are going to make it difficult to build enough homes to satisfy demand. So even though more homes could come on the market, it's still not going to solve the problem that we don't have enough homes on the market. The third, they say that rents will increase another 7%. Now personally, I think this is an understatement of the century, but before I go into my own thoughts, they explain that rental demand will increase from homeowners coming out of mortgage forbearance, more people are likely to live in cities where renting is more common, and a strong labor market is going to cause a shift of demand into new areas where people temporarily rent. Not to mention, since vacancy rates are near record lows, any increase in demand is going to push up prices. Now, it's really hard for me not to bite my tongue on this one, but as a landlord myself, I've been saying throughout the last year that rental prices will eventually have to catch up with the market value of properties. And when home prices go up 20% in a year, rental prices will inevitably have to follow that same trajectory on a one to two year delay. So if we see a strong rental market over the next few years, most likely that's going to continue for quite some time. Fourth, homeowners are going to relocate to other more affordable cities outside of the Sun Belt. They explain that more speculative areas like Atlanta, Austin, and Phoenix have seen a decline in net migration since peaking in Q1 of 2021. And during a housing shortage, less expensive areas with a strong job market have seen a larger than anticipated influx. All in all, this makes sense, and now that people have more control over where they live, less expensive markets have a lot of potential for long-term value. Lastly, they think condo demand is going to take off while people get more comfortable with condensed living. However, my only counter to this is that historically, single-family homes see a lot more appreciation and demand long-term. So even though you wind up paying less for a condo, you get less in return. But I'll save that for another video. Overall, the sentiment seems to be that no crash is coming, housing values will slow down, and rents will pick up. But even though that all sounds reasonable, you have to ask yourself, how accurate have they been in the past? Well, when they predicted 2021... Let's just say it was a mess. Zillow, on the other hand, was actually way more accurate. They expected 6.9 million homes sold in 2021. And as you could see, we're on track to see 6.4 million homes sold, so they were close. They also anticipated city living to see a resurgence. And besides investors now snatching up virtual real estate in the metaverse, we are indeed seeing more people move back. But in terms of the next year in 2022, Zillow says that they anticipate housing prices rising another 13.6% year over year. That's similar to the 16% that Goldman Sachs predicts, while Fannie Mae expects another 7.9% increase. So it seems pretty likely that 2022 is going to be just as crazy as we saw this year. But in terms of what you could do about this, and whether or not the market could actually crash this year, here's what we do know for sure. One, the vast majority of tenants are still paying their rent. For example, the National Multifamily Housing Council found that 93 to 95% of tenants paid their rent in full by the end of the month, and that's only 1 to 2% less than prior to the pandemic. That leads me to 
believe that most likely rents are going to trend higher throughout the next year. Two, building materials are back up thanks to worsening supply chain shortages. Why? Well, prices were so high in the beginning of this year that people held off from starting new projects, and as a result, prices fell. But apparently, so many people began buying the dip that prices started going back up. So it could very well be another year or two until things start to normalize, and that could be reflected in housing prices. Now, three, in terms of seeing a wave of foreclosures, 98% of homeowners in active forbearance have at least 10% of equity in their homes, compared to the Great Recession, where only 40% had that much equity. So basically, we're not going to see a lot of foreclosures because there's not much to foreclose on. At this point, if a homeowner can no longer afford their payments, they could sell right now at record prices and walk away with the difference. Or they could take advantage of a multitude of lending options to restructure their loan in such a way to prevent them from selling. But in all reality, we're unlikely to see any drop related to foreclosures. And fourth, interest rates are pretty likely to increase. Even though recently they've actually been going down, the Fed has made it very clear that they intend to combat rising inflation by raising interest rates in 2022. And as I mentioned earlier, that has the potential to impact housing values as the cost of a loan gets a little bit more expensive. Now, most likely, this is not going to be enough to completely counteract a shortage of inventory, but it will start to put some pressure on prices throughout the middle of the year, and that's worth taking into consideration. So overall, my advice is simply this. First, if you're renting and you know you want to stay, it's probably a good idea to lock in a long-term lease now to prevent the price from going up much more in the future. The second, if you're looking to buy a home, just understand it's going to cost you more money and it's going to be more competitive. But that just means you should really take your time and only buy a property that you intend on keeping for at least 7 to 10 years just in case something were to happen. And third, given how quickly things could change, accurately predicting anything is a guessing game at best. Although it's probably going to be a lot more of the same, at least until supply chain shortages ease up a bit and until you smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm. So with that said, you guys, thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. As always, make sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell. Also, feel free to add me on Instagram and on my second channel, The Graham Stephan Show. I post there every single day. I'm not posting here. So if you want to see a brand new video from me every single day, make sure to add yourself to that. And lastly, if you want a completely free stock now worth all the way up to $1,000, use the link down below in the description and sign up for public using the code Graham. You may as well do that. It's pretty much like free money. Let me know which stock you get. Thank you so much for watching and until next time.